either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Oh, they suck. In this lesson, I'd like to go over words and expressions you can use when you discuss movies with other people. As I know, everybody loves movies. I love movies, I'm sure you love movies, and there's lots of words that have to do with movies that you might not be familiar with, but they're very good to know if you want to talk about movies with your friends or whoever. No way. Yes way, Ted! Oh yeah! A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Bum. <laughs> Reminds me of childhood memories Where everything was as fresh as a bright blue sky Name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. Favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. Good housekeeping. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John Samos. $100 a week for voice lessons, and this is what I get? Okay, I'm gonna save it with the solo. Bow, bow, I'm dead. And I can sing high like this. And I can sing high. Rylan, Wendy, Wendy, Rylan. Uh, How we doing, Wendy? Hello, I'm nice great. To nice to meet you. I'm telling you right now, like, I don't watch a ton of movies. I watch a repeat of the same movies that I love a thousand yeah. times. 
it makes me want to watch the old stuff too. Well, the fact that you're still watching movies means that you love movies. Yeah. For example, I'm diving into like the black and whites and the old westerns and stuff like that. They will really upset you. I'm a person that I like live in the movie for a couple days after that. Like I just watched Sorry, Wrong Number. It was great until the very end. I mean, and for the fact that it was like the 1940s, they were pulling me in. The majority of the movie, these last few minutes where somebody is breaking in and she's calling the police and this girl has left all of her windows open. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So yeah, very suspenseful. So are you just now dipping into these old movies or you always had a love for these old flicks? It's the dichotomy of they can do so much with so little and they just tended to leave you to your own imagination, which mm. is way scarier. It's a little too real. And listen, if somebody wants in your house, they're getting in your house, especially as a woman who does live by myself as this woman was living by herself in that moment. You start to go through a checklist and you can see in her mind that she's processing all that, but she can't physically get out of bed. So it was yeah. just one of those, I couldn't sit down, I was like up and I was yelling at the TV. And <laughs> One of my favorite older woman alone in a house movies is uh, Wait Until Dark with uh, Audrey Hepburn. Oh, I oh, haven't seen that. One. She plays a, a blind woman in her own house, and she suspects that there's somebody in the house. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but really good film. Uh, Audrey Hepburn is amazing, as always. That reminds me of the, cannot remember the name, it was out a few years ago, <clears throat> where the kids broke into the house where the guy was blind. Don't breathe. Oh, yes. Oh, creep me out. Well, I mean, I'm not sure if you saw my post about the monthly live stream, but I'm planning like a trivia, like a, like a monthly trivia live stream, like a four hour, three hour long one, once a month for the group. Trivia, games, like we're doing Prices Right tonight, just stuff like that. But it all started because uh, I used to play games up at work. We had this little dry erase board. I would just write like, you know, Wesley Snipes movies. I, I would just write it, underline it, and then walk away. I would come back and there'd be like 12 movies written by other people. Okay, I have to ask, what was the food genre of the restaurant that y'all worked at? Mexican food? Uncle Julio's. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, that'd be the perfect place for that. And so then it became like the next day, they're like, so what's the, what's the next subject? You know, and like they'd be waiting for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. We definitely had a motley crew at that place, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was definitely a cool mixture of people. But you guys uh, ready to go? Yes. Let's roll. Give me a second to do my little intro and we can get it going. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spitting the Real Shit, uh, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by, for, and about the online Facebook group, The Real Shit. And you are catching us on a very special day because this is our 77th episode ever. And this week, we dip a toe into the comedy realm as we go back to the time when Judd Apatow and Will Ferrell saved comedy from raunchy teen sex romps. As we discuss one of the many success stories from that camp and that decade, 2008's sibling rivalry comedy, Step Brothers. We break down the moments, quotes, and laughs, as well as both Ferrell and John C. Riley getting the first and favorite treatment, along with Bracket Talk and another trivia preview. Uh, my name is Charlie Thompson, founder, administrator, and Bracket Master of The Real Shit, and joining me, as always, is my co-host and fellow administrator, the Midnight Movie Maniac himself, Rylan Johnson. What's going on, man? What's up, guys? Wendy, nice to meet you. Uh, my name is Rylan. 
but you have to call me Dragon. <laughs> this Step Brothers movie is so quotable, it's unreal. I was sitting there going, man, what's my favorite quote of this movie? And I'm like, I don't know if I want to start with, you know, I'm going to put my balls on your drum set, but here we are. <laughs> and making her first appearance on the show, longtime Real Shit member, Wendy Meyer. How are you, girl? I am great. Thank you for having me. Most definitely, most definitely. Me and Wendy actually go back to the high school days. We knew each other then, but then uh, kind of lost touch for about, I don't know, like 20 years. And then, <laughs> and then 20 years later, my sister becomes good friends with Wendy. She mentioned that, hey, this girl Wendy knows you. And then I was like, no shit, Wendy, tell her I said hi. Um, there's, this, there's this great thing that we have where back in the, this is such a 90s story. Like, so I'm not sure if you're a big David Spade fan, Ryland. I enjoy David Spade. I mean, hey, you got the wings because you were relaxed so you had confidence and that's what it takes to sell confidence your dad had that Ugh, why do you always have to deter these things i was then i am still <laughs> obsessed with, with yeah. david Spade. i have honestly driven on my own because an ex-husband couldn't go with me to vegas to see the show did not fly through <laughs> So is it just the stand-up comedy that you enjoy from David Spade, or is it everything? No, it's the movies, too. The Wrong Missy okay. is just amazing. Just, just his cynical just, just outlook. Yes. I always like a good deadpan, so come on. I mean, him and Farley were, were really, really good. Talk about comedic duos. I mean, they were great. I had just gotten HBO. My family had just switched over to HBO. Like I said, I was a Showtime kid. Yeah. Some, sometime in my late teens, they said, we're only having one premium channel. And so we switched to HBO, and you know, I already knew how to like tape stuff you know, like immediately. It's so already having a schedule going. Like I, I was checking the TV guide for all the HBO movies. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna tape this one. I'm gonna tape this one. And I was like, oh shit, David Spade's doing a, a stand-up comedy special. So I, I marked it and I taped it, right? And it was one of the funniest sets I've ever seen in my life. Like it was, I think it was like ninety what seven, ninety eight, and it was it was incredible. Like he, he played in his hometown in uh, Arizona, and just the whole hour, I was just busting a gut. Like it was so funny. But here's the upside of fifth grade. The only good thing is Brad Pitt went to my school. Brad Pitt, for one year, went to my school. And he was, he was a little lady killer back then. He was a good-looking kid, I'm telling you. Even back then, you could tell he was a cutie, because I remember when I got my class picture and I brought it home. My grandma, I was staying with my grandma, so she was checking it out, and she was looking at it, she goes, Oh, my gosh, Davey, you have to be the cutest boy in that whole gall darn... Oh, my God, I'd f*** that kid. <laughs> Holy shit, you know this dude? Hook me up. I'm your grandma. Take care of me. I used to take care of you. Do something for me. That kid is a piece of and I couldn't stop talking about it at school. I would go to everybody, be like, have you yeah. seen this fucking David Spade? And then it caught Wendy's attention, and she was, like, so intrigued. Like, I would love to see that. And I was like, I got it on tape. And so I let her borrow it, right? <laughs> and so the rest of the time, we were just quoting this stand-up comedy special. Probably do one right now, and she know exactly how to finish. Um, <laughs> so then, you know, we lost touch. So 20 years later, right, I find out this girl Wendy is back in my orbit. And I'm like, where's my fucking David Spade tape at? <laughs> I was going to be like, I know where this is going back then. Yeah. Hey, man, but let me borrow that. He wasn't getting it back, you know. But she did me a favor, and she got me a copy of the DVD because they transferred it to DVD and sold oh, it at Walmart. Great. And so she got me a copy. That, that was like her olive branch. Yeah, that's it's a like great story. it was more modern times. What am I going to give the tape back with the little things popped out? Like, you had to get the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be such a tall order to, to have you track down the tape. I didn't know bands were gay growing up, you know. I didn't know. You have no concept of that as a kid. Like, my favorite band, like, my mom liked Liberace. I had no idea. I liked Elton John, no idea. Queen. 
Queen was actually helping you out. They were throwing out some hints, too. They weren't hiding. <laughs> First of all, name's Queen. Thank you for taking this time. My 20-year reunion is next month. That's how old I am. We had to skip my reunion because of the pandemic, and so yeah. we're going to meet up on the 25th anniversary. Oh, cool. So, Wendy, uh, besides being a movie lover, she is a real estate agent. We had Teeter on last week. He talked about his 75-day body challenge. I love getting to know new members and other members getting to know other members. So, Wendy. I am a full-time real estate agent and realtor. I love it in Fort Worth and Keller. It keeps me really busy. I'm also the social media manager for Old South Pancake House, and I love that. It is so much fun. It's hard to say which one is more fun because they are both just wild honestly. So you run the social media on all platforms for Old South? Yes, and the marketing campaigns, like the billboards that you see, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Old South, if you're a DFW listener, like, you know Old South. I mean, it's, it's oh, been love it. forever. Five minutes from my house. I live by TCU, so I'm always hitting it up. Here at Old South, we've been bringing it since 1962 and have no intentions of stopping anytime soon. Now with two locations, we're not only expanding our offerings, but our menu as well. I live in Crowley, which is a stone's throw from Burleson, which is where the brand new location is at. Actually, me and Ryland went to Old South for a meeting right before the, what was it, Matrix? Triple M? Yeah, yeah. But besides this appearance, we Wendy actually helped us out and, and was in the live meetup for uh, Kong versus Godzilla back in April of 2021. But uh, we have a new bracket upcoming for the group. Let's talk about the group for a minute. Do you guys know this one? Oh. Now this is the real shit. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. So I announced it last week on the show, but the next bracket being played in the real shit is going to be the music biopic bracket. It's a movie genre that has always fascinated me. I've always thought, you know, especially when I was younger, that this was like, you know, a, a way to see behind the curtain, you know, fascinating facts about these people that you heard these urban legends about. And just to see it fully produced was so cool. It was dead for the longest time, but then it's made a resurgence in the last few years. Plus, with uh, the new Elvis movie coming out, I thought it was a great way to kind of promote that and kind of stay in that space. So I am curious, uh, Wendy, as our guest, are, are you a fan of music biopics? And if you are, uh, what are some of your favorites? It's one of those things where I have to really be into the artist. Um, it's funny because I was thinking about the last one that I watched and really got into. And to me, everything feels like it was just a couple years ago. Then I realized that it was Ray. And to me, a couple years ago was 2004. <laughs> Coming up on 20 years, yeah. But I'm telling you, it was so good. Yeah. This guy just was trying to keep somebody. The stuff he would go through, my gosh. Definitely in my top five music biopics, Ray. We talked about it before on the show, Rylan. I'm a huge fan of uh, The Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, uh, me too. Love the Jerry Lee Lewis story. Also a big fan of Oliver Stone's The Doors. Um, Amadeus, great fucking movie. All about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Mm -hmm. 
I was a big uh, Selena fan as a kid. They we, they play that at school a lot. <laughs> you know, when you had a movie day, they put in Selena. That was always a fun one. Yeah, one. one that I've never seen that I want to watch is Behind the Candelabra. By Liberace, yeah. Fitting mm-hmm. it on my list. Yeah, Michael Douglas plays Liberace in that one. I think I wanted to watch it, but that was a point in time where he wasn't doing so well with Catherine Zeta-Jones, and I was on her side. That may not have been the right time frame, but yeah, I held a few things against him for a few years. That's funny. I mean, it brings up a fascinating question. Uh, do you do you take tabloid fodder into consideration when watching movies? It depends. Okay. Like, <laughs> like if you, if he's a real. A lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, I would watch something with Amber Heard in it right now. So it's not everybody. <laughs> Show me what you're working with. Shake your ass. Watch yourself. Shake your ass. Show me what you're working with. You're crying. Help. I guess I mean, it's the more personally I took stuff, the less I can separate okay. the artist from the work. I've seen people like that. They'll let themselves ruin the movie because of some tabloid headline they read like a week before. And they're like, trash. And I mean, I'm so stubborn that I will just purposefully ruin my own good time. So yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you know, and, and with music biopics, I mean, uh, a lot of the prestige comes from the performance of the main actor. That's usually yes. the biggest takeaway yeah. is they were spot on. You know, uh, Remy Malik comes to mind. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Remy Malik With mm-hmm. uh, Freddie Mercury, you know, playing yes. spot on Freddie Mercury. You mentioned it earlier. Ray, uh, Jamie Foxx. I mean, my God, he went from Wanda to Oscar. Yes. Then that's a great point because I think what's happening with the Elvis is he's so hard to mimic and he's so unique looking. But this kid, God, I saw like a, like a just a clip of him strumming on a on a guitar and, and he's all decked out and he's and he's in the suit. And I'm like, looks wise, I think it's really hard to, to look like Elvis. He's such a unique looking guy. But man, the skills wise, holy shit, his voice. Um, of course, Boz Lerman is fucking amazing. He can make anybody look cool. So, yeah. you know, I'm excited about this Elvis movie, big time. Shake your ass, but watch yourself. Shake your ass, and show me what you're working with. Shake your ass, but watch yourself. Shake your ass, and show me what you're working with. Well, I gotta ask, uh, this is a point of contention with me personally. What did y'all think of Walk the Line? Really I was enjoyed literally it. just gonna bring that one up. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. I really had to get talked into it. But then when I sat down and watched it, and it's hard because I'm sorry, you end up loving anything Reese Witherspoon is in. Even when you don't want to, she's <laughs> tricky like that, you know? Oh, my dad is like some big biker guy, but he loves Legally Blonde. You yeah. can watch it like anytime. I mean, she will make you care about a chihuahua before you have even realized. I've always been a big Joaquin Phoenix fan, so I thoroughly enjoy that. And I think it deserved all the credit it got. I think one of the things that movie did the best, because this is my favorite moment in any music movie at all. There's always that one scene where the music starts playing, the lights are on them, and it's just, I mean, it's the magic of the whole entire movie either comes together in that moment or it doesn't. When they're on stage, right in front of the mic. The big deep really... breath before they go out and perform or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's the comedy. Yes, yes, and they did a good job with the magnetism and the buildup. I mean, I guess that brings us to our next point, which is, you know, walk hard. <laughs> the life and times of Dewey Cox. Stop your singing this instant, young man. I will not have this in my studio. Uh, maybe it was the wrong song choice. If you would just let me play one of my songs that I wrote, I think you'll like it a whole lot better. You have failed conclusively. It's over. And there is nothing that you can do here in this room that can turn that around. Nothing you can do that can make up for what you just did to that Samore. Well, my mother liked it a whole lot. Your mother was wrong. Show me what you're working with. Shake your ass. Watch yourself. Shake your ass. 
I really think that whenever Dewey Cox came out, it killed the music biopic. It was such a yeah. great parody of yeah. music biopics in general. <laughs> like, I guess the studio's like, shit, they figured it out. Hollywood's like, and, ah, shit, let's wait a decade. The, probably the first time that they've ever had that sort of a mirror held up. Think wow. about how many's come out in the last five years. You had Elton John, you had uh, Freddie Mercury, you had... Uh, David Bowie did one. Bowie, yeah. I was gonna say Bowie's in there. That's the malleable part of it, too, is that not every music story is a music biopic, you know? So, yeah, that's exactly why I said music movie. The music biopic is in the works. Uh, we got it coming down later on this month, probably maybe early August. I'm not sure yet. Uh, the reason why I'm not sure is because I'm in preparation for doing a monthly live stream on The Real Shit. I'm really kind of excited about this. It's going to be a trivia-based live stream where it's going to be a series of games each month, picked at random by me, prepared by me, and then administered to a row of, I want to say, about four contestants each month. You know, just have some fun, you know, tell some jokes, have some laughs, and do some trivia, you know? And so last week, I had previewed uh, 20 questions for the Quiz Time Show. And this week, I wanted to preview another game that's going to be kind of a running theme until we get this live stream off the ground. And this week, we are going to do the movie version of The Price is Right. Very, very excited about this. You guys ready to play some Price is Right with me? Let's go. Pop quiz, asshole. You have a hair trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What do you do? If you've seen Prices Right at all, you understand the rules of contestants' role, where there will be a item up for bids, and you have to get as close to the retail price as possible without going over. Right, guys? Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay, so we're all on the same page there. Seeing as how this is a call with no video format on it, I'm going to be texting you the items up for bid. I got on eBay earlier today, and I had picked four items at random. I'm not going to say big ticket items. I'm not going to say small ticket items, because that's how the game is played. But I will be announcing them on the show so that the cats know. And then when I'm going to edit, I will record what the actual retail price is for the audience. All right? Hey, guys. Future Charlie here. I'm saying hi from post-production. Just wanted to let y'all know that I'll be cutting in throughout this entire segment to let you guys, the audience, know uh, what the actual retail price is before Ryland and Wendy guess. So back to the game. I'm going to do four items. I'm going to go one and then the other. Whoever's closer gets 20 points. If both of y'all go over, nobody gets anything. All right, guys? Yes. So I'm going to uh, send you the item up for bid. Don't you screw it up. Let's see. Okay, here we go. The first item oh, cool. up for bid is a replica <laughs> Top Gun Maverick flight helmet. Sold. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is a replica. This is not a piece of actual movie prop. So just to give you an idea of, of the legitimacy of this item. Popularity of this movie, the new one, if that was the actual Maverick helmet, I think that thing would go for a million bucks. But you got to be realistic, Ryland. You can't yeah, be I know, I know. thinking that this thing is a million dollars. No, it's a replica. I got, I, got, I got an idea. Even replica oh. people get crazy, though. Okay, so I'm going to give you all about 30 seconds to figure it out. Right, I'm going to kind of go with the... Uh, it's a replica, so it looks like it's pretty well made, though. Uh, while they're thinking, uh, I want to say to the audience that the actual retail price is $310 even. Boom, I'm locked it in. Okay. So first up, we got Ryland. You are on the chopping block first. What do you think the replica the Top Gun Maverick flight helmet 
is what I've seen some of the Star Wars stuff, the really good Star Wars helmets, you know, that that's either Mandalorian or whatever. And, and I'm kind of putting that in that. And I think those go for about I put one forty nine ninety nine, the Walmart special one forty nine ninety nine for Ryland. Mm-hmm. Wendy, how much do you think this helmet costs? To me, I felt that the market would bear $299. (laughs) That's an awesome real estate response there. $299 in the bag out the door. Okay, here we go. The actual retail price is $310. Man, she nailed it. She nailed it. And she gets 20 points. So it's 20 to 0 currently. That's about as good as you can get, Wendy. I'm scared now. I'm telling you, I watch every day. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Um, the next item up for bids. I found this one to be kind of funny. This is an actual piece of the actual house that Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru <laughs> were in on the set of Star Wars. It's a tiny little fragment. You can see it oh, in the Oh, man. It's the smallest little thing. A <laughs> house in a real movie with a real plot. So small. It's like, it's like grains of sand. <laughs> That's crazy. That, now, now, Star Wars fans are, are very passionate and yes. die. They die to get their hands on any piece of this stuff. That's what I do know. I might be helping Wendy out too much with all this information. I mean, if this is uh, not what the market will bear situation, I don't know what it is. <laughs> all right. Well, while you guys are getting your answers oh, in, uh, I want to let the audience tough. know that the actual retail price is... $94.99. I'm so torn. I don't, I, I don't know. It's either worth uh, way too much than it's worth, or they're really trying to uh, appeal to the the casual fan that has a little money. I don't know. Toss up, dude. I'm going to say, since it's an actual prop, I'm going to go like, the way they made it, though, you know, I'm going to say. Hard to value these things. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with you first, Wendy. Uh, how much do you think this is worth? I selected $399. $399 even. Uh, Ryland, uh, what did you go with? How much do you think this thing is worth? Just because it's an actual prop, but not much of a prop. I said $599.99. One penny away from $600. All right, guys. Here we go. The actual retail price is $94.99. Man, I was way off. <laughs> so both of y'all really overvalued this piece. <laughs> That is the current market value for two grains of sand. So, <laughs> but it's Star Wars sand. It's All just right. a little rock. I mean, it's like literally just a little pebble in, in a really <laughs> cool-looking case. I mean, but, you does know? It, but doesn't a hundred bucks sound crazy for that? Yeah. Um, yeah. For but, an actual movie prop, like they should yeah. have kept it for a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars. <laughs> you're proud of that at your house you're like this is my most prized possession my tiny morsel of a house from from star yeah, Wars. Okay. Yeah. it was like yeah. a piece of vader's suit or something yeah cool but come on it's <laughs> there is a certificate of authenticity in there so yeah this is legit dude we are halfway home guys all right for the next item up for bid let's go i gotta get on the board let's go here we go next item up for bid is a terminator resin bust two scale one for one horror bust prop Whoa. It's a remaking of the original Terminator near the end where half of his face is gone, his shoulders and his chest all recreated. <laughs> However you fuck you make that. God, a one um, in one bust? That's crazy. It's like half of an Arnold Schwarzenegger. That thing's got to weigh 100 <laughs> yeah. pounds, 150 pounds. <laughs> yes, this thing is life-size Arnold Schwarzenegger bust. I will give you all 30 seconds to okay. figure out your Let's price. Go. But to the audience, the actual retail price is... $549.99. All righty. Uh, we'll start with Rylan first. Uh, yeah. How much do you think this Terminator bust is worth? <sighs> I 
I mean, it's massive, and, and the amount of work to put to make these things, they, they can't. I'm sure it's limited as well. There's, they probably only made a few hundred of these things. Uh, so I put $2,500. I think that's a respectable amount for the amount of work. I mean, this is this is pretty well done. $2,500 from Rowan. Wendy, uh, what would you give this worth on this bust? I gave it a little lower value. I went $1,500, so we will see. All right, y'all ready, guys? The actual retail price is $549.99. I overvalue all these things, huh? Man, <laughs> I'm a sucker. <laughs> I mean, what's going on with Arnold's value right now? A little worried. I do <laughs> Us old school cats, we think he's still worth $1,000 for a remake bust. But apparently, he's only worth about five and a half. I mean, the what wig does look kind of shitty when you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yeah. accurate. So if you're in the market for a, a life-size Arnold bust, determine it. <laughs> if you got 550 bucks, you got one of those. The, the trivia time game will have a lot more items up for bid, but I'm just kind of previewing it. So we only have yeah, one so more item right. up for bid. I got to tire up at least. Here we go. Now I'm going to lowball the shit out of this thing. We're both going to be like $1. Eight bucks. <laughs> Next item up for Ooh, bid is cool. a replica cosplay version of a Judge Dredd lawgiver from the 1995 Stallone film Judge Dredd. Uh, you know I gotta do it, Charlie. I am the law! I saw this and I thought of you, Rylan. To the audience, the actual retail price is $119.95. So, Wendy, what do you think this is worth? I went $99. I'm gonna give it a lower amount. It's a replica cosplay crossing my fingers that it didn't cross the $100 mark. $99 from Wendy. Ryland, how much do you think this is worth? You gotta lowball the shit out of this, and, and I'm actually gonna say $1 to do the, 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 the proper prices right uh, okay. uh, ploy. So, strategy at least. So, $98 from Ryland? <laughs> yeah. All righty. Here we go. The actual retail price of this item is $119.95. Uh, so, with $1 difference, Wendy wins again. Making the final score after four rounds, 40 to zero, Riley. I should have said a dollar because that doesn't make any sense, but I, you know, I'm not much of a math guy, so. <laughs> I still can't believe it's $119. Like, that's, a, that's a pretty sick deal. That's I mean, pretty slick, you know. yeah. But it, you it's know, it like, doesn't do all the things in the movie where it talks to you. That would be fucking sick, dude. I mean, that would be way more than $119. But yeah, so that was The Price is Right. Just a little taste of what you're going to get on the monthly trivia show we got coming up very soon. Before the summer is out, we will have our first episode. I guarantee it. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> but as a matter of fact, we're not done playing games yet. We got one more game, and it's actually a twofer tonight. So, you guys ready to play a fun game? Let's play yes. a game. Yes. It's all about the game. And are you playing? It's all about control. And if you can take it, it's all about your death. And if you can play it, it's all about pain. And who's gonna make it? So this week, uh, we are bringing back the first and favorite. We did it last week. We're doing it this week. If you've uh, been on The Real Shit, you've probably seen first and favorite posts. Uh, the rules are pretty simple. You divulge what the first thing you saw this performer do in your own life. And then you will reveal what your favorite performance of this person is. And this week, we have two actors on the docket. In honor of Step Brothers, we are going to give our first and favorite for both Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. We'll start with you, Wendy. What was the first thing you ever saw Will Ferrell in? For me, it was not a movie. 
It was his sketch on Saturday Night Live as a Spartan cheerleader. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. Spartan checkup. Take a chance. Drop your pants. Pee in the cup. Dr. Spartan's in the house and he will fix you up. Break it down now. Spartan fever. He revitalized that television show. I mean, it was yeah. it was yeah. kind of in the dumps whenever he came around. Him and, and just a handful of others, they they really brought the show back in the late 90s. What about your favorite, Will Ferrell? My favorite is Step Brothers. It will always I, be Step Brothers. People talking, talking about people. I just ignore them, but they keep us saying we laugh. Just a little too loud. Well, I remember asking you when I invited you onto the show that you had carte blanche for the mm -hmm. subject. You immediately just said, well, my favorite movie is Step Brothers. So yes, that's an easy one, you know. So I kind of figured that might have been your answer, but I wanted to make sure. It's a tie because who does not love Elf? Like, I can't turn it off anytime it comes on. So that's also true of white chicks. But yeah, <laughs> love it. To watch out. That's funny. So, like, in in your brain, is Will Ferrell David Spade level? Yeah, he would be the closest thing to <laughs> Spade's Chris Farley if they were to get together. So, if it was David Spade and Will Ferrell, it, it would be seamless. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Six o'clock TV on. I'll go next on this first and favorite with Will Ferrell. I'm the same as Wendy. First time I saw Will Ferrell, it was not a movie. It was Saturday Night Live, but it was a different sketch that caught my attention. Um, it was his character. He he did it a few times, but it was the the dad doing the barbecue in the backyard. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And, and he had like another couple over who had kids. He's talking to the camera as if he's talking to the kids on the shed. And he's just <laughs> he's just ripping into these kids. Yeah. He's telling them to get off the shed. Like in the beginning, he's really subdued, very yeah. calm. He's like, hey, kids, you mind just getting off the shed? <laughs> and it just it aggressively gets worse. I will drive you out to the desert and leave you there for the entire month of August, if you don't get off that shed! Like near the end, he is screaming. He's about to go fist fight these kids. He's like, get off the shed! He's such, he's such <laughs> a good, angry screamer. He's really good at that. Yes. Yeah. If you don't, get off of the goddamn shit. <laughs> ever since that moment, like every subsequent week on that Saturday Night Live, I was like, this guy right here, this guy is funny. And when but, he was the dad, do you remember the sketch with Sarah Michelle Geller? I drive a Dodge Stratus. I drive Stratus. a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> you don't talk to me like that. Shut you up. don't talk to me I like that. I am a division manager. Voice. That is very important. Do not raise very your voice important. At me or you at don't Garrett. talk do to me like that. Me, People do are you? scared of me. Why would anyone be scared of you? I hate you, you big fat turd. <laughs> but uh, but my favorite, Will Ferrell, hands down. I mean, it has been for nearly two decades now is Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! 
this was like one of his i mean of course he'd done old school he'd done supporting roles but this was like his first lead role in, in my brain i mean if he was nervous i was not nervous for him i knew he was going to just hit a home run with this movie yeah. every second i was just dying laughing i mean it wasn't just him but a large portion of the laughs were coming from Farrell. but he's so good at comedy and i think uh, just right out the gate anchorman my favorite hands down it's a good one i, I mean i can quote it right now anyways uh <laughs> rylan we'll move on to you first and favorite will fair what you got i'm with you guys i remember vividly seeing him in that cheerleading skit on snl we're on a caffeine high so hold on tight live from new york it's saturday night and God, he was young then. I mean, this was probably, what, 96 or 7, right? So, you know, he was Mustafa in, uh, in, in Austin Powers, which you don't really recognize him because he's kind of in a pretty good disguise. I forgot about Mustafa. That's a great bit from Austin Powers. Yeah, but he's hilarious in that. So I was like, man, I can't remember which one I saw first, but I was like, it had to be the SNL skit. And then some of his SNL characters. I love, you know, obviously Cal Bell is fucking legendary. And I always liked the Lovas in the hot tub. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one always made me laugh because I'm like, that's the scenarios I get it in real life. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get in the hot tub and I sit there and have to talk to these weirdos, you know? <laughs> it's very relatable to me. Sometimes I feel like Jim from The Office, like, where's the fucking camera so I can look at it and go, mm. he, he is so good in so much, though. I, I enjoy him so much in his, like, very small parts compared to what he's done. But, like, Zoolander, you know, amazing. Jane Silent, I mean, Eastbound and Down, the TV show. God, he plays that shady uh, used car dealer. He's so good. But <laughs> but my favorite, I'm with Charlie. It's it's definitely Anchorman. I, I, I mean, I was a big Ricky Bobby fan. Anchorman, I think, just takes the cake because I love that group of guys. They work so well together. Yeah, it's made with bits of real panther. So you know it's good. It's quite pungent. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it's a formidable scent. <laughs> Stings the nostrils in a good way. Yeah. Brian, I'm going to be honest with you. That smells like pure gasoline. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Gusto was just on point the entire yeah. time. But uh, but moving on, we have one more uh, actor we got to divulge here for our first and favorite, and that's John C. Riley, somebody with a much bigger resume than uh, Will Ferrell. I forget how far back his career goes, and they're only about two years apart in age. I mean, Riley yeah. had an almost ten year jump on on Ferrell with with big movies and big roles. But he wasn't even, like, considered a comedy. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was P.T. Anderson's guy yeah. in the first part of his career. And, and I love his dramatic roles. I mean, they're some of my favorite movies. I mean, he's great in the dramatic role. But then he comes and does comedy with Farrell and his own. He's just as good at each. That's what makes him great. He gave his career new life with that mm -hmm. movie. Much like Vince Vaughn back in the early 2000s. Yeah. You know, he, was, yeah. he was an indie darling. And then all of a sudden, he was a comedian. But since you're on a roll, Ryland, I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah. Uh, first and favorite, John Riley. First time I saw him it, that I can pinpoint is Days of Thunder, 1990. One of my favorites. Hell, I thought this was going to be a joke. You never drove a stock car before? Yeah, sprints mainly. What's your name? Buck Brotherton. What's yours? Cole Trickle. It's damn nice to meet you, Buck. Damn nice to meet you, too, Cole. I had to go back into his career to go, oh, shit, that's right. Because I loved Days of Thunder. It was just Top Gun, but with race cars. He looks quite a bit different in that role because you know, this was... You know, almost 30 years ago. But yeah, first one's Days of Thunder. And then, um, like I said, I've got to throw out some shout outs to some of his dramatic roles that I love him in. Like, he's so good in The Perfect Storm. I love him in Boogie Nights, of course. Um, the River Wild. Oh, he plays the baddie in that one. And that that's a really good movie. But I got to go with Dewey Cox as my favorite, man. Get out of here, Dewey. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer. And you don't want no part of this shit. You're smoking reefers? Yeah, of course we are. Can't you smell it? No, Sam. 
I can't. I mean, you you said it earlier. That movie, you know, it's a standalone. I mean, he didn't have to go and buddy up with um, Farrell. I mean, he did it on his own, and um, it's awesome. I love that movie. Uh, Wendy, first and favorite, John Riley. What do you got? Okay, so I didn't realize that he was in Days of Thunder. That is probably <laughs> the first time I saw him and didn't recognize it. First time that I really recall is in the movie Never Been Kissed. That's uh, Drew Barrymore. Yes. Yeah. He is your story. You're crazy. No. 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 What do you mean, no? It's got it all. Sex, intrigue, immorality, and the education system. He's my teacher. Yeah, that's the best part. Student-teacher relations. How close is too close? Josie, we're going to blow the lid off it. There's no lid. There's nothing going on between six. Mr. Coulson and me. So obsessed with her during that time frame, too. Like, she had that movie Ever After. Oh, God. Every girl in the 90s loved that. (laughs) And also, I had just graduated high school, and I got, you know, a mediocre job. It was okay, but I bought a satellite dish with it. And that was back when you bought the satellite dish, and any channel it pulled in, you got I mean, I was watching five or six different HBOs, five or six different showtimes, and it was always on. I'm telling you, if I came (laughs) into the room and the TV was on ever after was playing and I would just watch it every time. (laughs) Here's the best part. I don't know that I could sit through it today, except for the fact that Angelica Houston totally delivers. That's funny. I I have a similar experience with uh, Napoleon Dynamite. I cannot watch that movie anymore. Like, <laughs> I ran it into the fucking ground. Like, I'm, I'm back in my like college days, you know, early 20s. It was Napoleon Dynamite. Or if I was feeling froggy, I just put in the best of Will Ferrell, which is still in my fucking DVD collection. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. So my favorite, obviously, is going to be Step Brothers. And here's why. Is every birthday I wake up, I get my coffee ready, you know, since I've been an adult and drinking coffee, and I watch Step Brothers. That is literally how I start the day every birthday. I don't start the day until it comes on. Dad, we're men, okay? That means a few things. We like to shit with the door open. We talk about pussy. We go on riverboat gambling trips. We make our own beef jerky. That's what we do. And now that is all wrecked. We literally have never done any of those things. It's insane, like, how much his career spans. But I'm kind of fascinated that both of y'all went with comedy roles for your favorite. Because I did not, actually. My first John C. Riley that I ever remember seeing him in. I want to say it was either What's Eating Gilbert Grape or it was Dolores Claiborne, where he played the constable. I want to say it's Dolores Claiborne was the first time I ever saw him on screen. Huh. Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to see you here. Your mom's been pretty firm about us not trying to contact you. Uh, John, I, I didn't know Dolores made any calls. She didn't call. I saw the Bangor paper. It was faxed to my office. But my favorite, hands down, John C. Riley, is his performance in Magnolia, where he plays the hearts in the right place cop. Uh, he just falls yeah. for this cokehead who, she understands what the deal is, but he is just so, like, he just wants love, you know? I don't know what's going on in his head through that, this movie. He just plays it, like, so righteous. And by the book to where everyone else is just bending the rules left and right. A lot of people think this is just a job that you go to. Take a lunch hour, job's over. Something like that. But it's a 24-hour deal. No two ways about it. 
And what most people don't see, just how hard it is to do the right thing. A fantastic performance. An everyman who's just looking for something, you know? I think anytime him and Paul Thomas Anderson collaborate, I mean, it's going to be something worth watching. I want to thank you guys for playing First and Favorites. Always good to hear the First and Favorites from everybody. Thank you. You are entirely welcome. But now, let us all go to my house for a little sponge cake and a little wine and... Oh, shit! To the lumberyard! But uh, we got one more thing we got to do before we end this talk. And we got to talk about the 2008 Adam McKay, Judd Apatow, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley classic Step Brothers. <laughs> Everybody, sleeping arrangements. Brennan, you're gonna be sharing a room with Dale. Just until the two of you get jobs and you move out. Hey, are you awake? Yeah. I hate your guts. As soon as your eyes shut, I'm gonna punch you square in the face. This is the one rule of the house. Don't ever touch my drum set. Don't touch it! Alright. Did you touch my drum set? Yep. Why are you so sweaty? I was watching cops. I think they're starting to like each other. What are you doing? I'm burying you. I'm alive, I'm alive. You're waking the neighbors. Shut up. Okay, name your favorite dinosaur. Velociraptor. All right. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John, John Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> You have one month to find jobs or you're out in your asses. What? I will arrange interviews and you will go. Who is this gentleman sitting behind you? Hello, Miss Lady. You can't. Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. You shouldn't tell the person who is interviewing you to shut their mouth. You're sounding Under stupid five. now. I'm sorry? What did you're you You're just say? coming off stupid. Please leave this office. Do we get any sort of souvenir? Get out of my office! Oh. Well, if it isn't Dale Dobick and his little buddy. Just leave me alone, will you? Shut up! You should treat me, an adult, with some respect. So, maybe you don't go down that way anymore? That's what we talked about. We're gonna take the long way home. Can we turn our beds into bunk beds? You'll give us so much extra space in our room to do activities. You're adults. You can do what you want. This is the funnest night ever! <laughs> hey, I never asked you. Yeah. You like guacamole? We're here. We're, we're finally talking about Step Brothers. <laughs> I want to say in 2008, I was, I guess I was excited about the next project, but then when I heard that it was Step Brothers, it was kind of lacking. One of the reasons why is because I thought there was going to be a trilogy of like feral characters. You had Ron Burgundy, then you had Ricky Bobby, and then I thought there was going to be a third character because the title of each movie is, you know, Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. 
Yeah. And then yeah. Talladega Nights, you know, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. And I thought his next movie was going to be something along those lines, like, a, you know, <laughs> Emmanuel Hargrave, the, you know, the song of the whatever. <laughs> I thought it was going to be an epic character piece again. But then it turned out to be Step Brothers. And I was kind of put off by it. So I didn't go and see it in theaters whenever it came out. But then subsequently, of course, you know, everybody on the block was talking about this movie. Don't touch it! All right. There. I was at about six there. You don't want to see me go to 10. I caught it on home video. I want to say probably 2011 was the first time I saw Step Brothers. But I want to hear about y'all's first memories. Uh, Wendy, we'll start with you first. First time you ever watched Step Brothers. I also didn't see it in the theater. I okay. remember going to see Anchorman in the theater with a group of friends where I was howling and laughing and loving it. And they didn't really get it which I thought was weird. So I didn't go back and watch a lot of movies with them because I just kind of thought, oh, we don't mesh. So I remember watching it for the first time on cable and just loving it. Mm. Also, I think at that time I was at home taking care of my mom. So getting out to the theater like wasn't something that I could do. And there wasn't streaming then, but I think it had been out for a few months and I just caught it. So mm. that first weekend, I remember watching it like six or seven times. It was so good every time. Okay, here's a shot out of a cannon. Oprah, Barbara Walters, your wife. You gotta fuck one, marry one, kill one, go. I think we're done here, thank you. It never lost its luster, huh? Exactly. Okay. What about you, Rylan? Did you did you catch it in theaters? I do remember catching it in theaters. Me and my uh, roommate at the time, because you know this was, I mean, I was mid twenties, Rylan, so this was right up my alley. We were fresh off of Ricky Bobby and, and Anchorman, and I was like, yeah, I'm in. Count me in. So. I think I went and watched it at a movie tavern and just laughed my ass off. So, Did you buy the DVD when it came out? I did. Anything that was, you know, Judd Apatow and, and McKay. Well, what about you, Wendy? Did you ever buy the, the DVD? Yes, I got it in uh, one of the $5 bins at Walmart. And that's good, too, because not every birthday is it on Netflix. So I still have <laughs> a way to watch it in the morning. And I mean, I've had to go, like, dig through old laptops to find the one that plays DVDs. So that I can watch it, but can't start the day without it, so. You yelled rape at the top of your lungs. Mom, I honestly thought I was going to be raped for a second. All you got to do is throw 20 bucks at a DVD player on Amazon, and you got yeah. a DVD player. True, but then I'd have to keep the DVD player. Then I'm a person that has a DVD player. See the problem? <laughs> but they're so cheap, you could treat them like disposable. Toss it out the balcony. Pass After every home. movie, you just smash it on the ground. <laughs> Don't want this thing. 2008 is that... Right before social media blew up and smartphones, because we didn't have memes, we didn't have the real shit to put all this on. We had to know this stuff. So you had to watch these funny movies and remember these quotes to have a couple zingers of people were talking movies, you know, so. No, it's a win-win for me. Because if you fuck up, Brennan, if you fuck up, yeah. I get to fire your ass. But if you pull it off, I look like a genius to the board. Yeah. Now you can just look it up, you know, and just, yeah, and just, yeah. and just play the clip. Yep. But back in the day, you had to do your best to recreate yeah. it. You know, I'm trying to remember some of the lines and if it was a fun time. It was just different. At this point, especially in 2008, I mean, uh, Apatow, McKay and Farrell, I mean, they are at the tippy top yeah. of the mountain. White hot, white like, hot. As far as like popularity in comedy, because I guess before they came into town, I mean, it was like American pie. Oh, and this one time at band camp, I stuck a flute in my pussy. Excuse me. Yeah. Little teen sex romps that were like mm -hmm. ruling the landscape of comedy at that point, where it was more like what you could get away with, you know, kind of like old school. The road trip, easy example of that. Euro trip. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Just raunchy, just raunch for the sake of raunch. They did uh, Anchorman, which hit, and then they did 40 Year Old Virgin, which popped off. Is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? Is that a serious question? 
No, it wasn't. You know, Talladega Night. I mean, they were just on a Pixar run almost. Like yeah, every yeah. fucking movie was just a banger. And a lot of it is because of most of the dialogue being improvised to where they just kind of caught magic on film and were able to run with it, you know, because they're just such talented improvisational comedians. But I did start taking baby aspirin to reduce my risk for heart attack. That makes sense. Got to keep an eye on it, you know. You really do. You're going to knock off the sweets. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's, a tr- it's a truly funny observation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that art has kind of died. So, I mean, I, I want to say film and comedy has kind of died as well. You could watch a movie like that and just know it's an Apatow film or, a, mm-hmm. or an Adam McKay film. You know, not yes. just because Will Ferrell was in it, but just because of the way they were conversating to each other. And that was just kind of the ebb and flow for like 10 years in comedy. Just those off the cuff, like, here's the situation and then action, <laughs> you know, and yeah. they just yeah. do the scene based on bullet points. That's what uh, I've always wondered with McKay is I'm like, does he actually have a script after the first go? He's probably like, all right, now y'all do your thing, you know, <laughs> like do your magic. And he just sits back and probably laughs his ass off because he hears shit that's never even in the gag reel, the blooper reel. I mean, can you imagine how many times they're bouncing back and forth with things? And if it's oh, if it's off God. the top of your head, because Farrell gets real out there with things. I mean, John Bob's playing Moby Dick for real. Some of his blooper reels are just I mean, I'm in stitches because he's just digging so hard. He's so smart and so quick witted that it, it's it's pretty Impressive. And like I said, top of the mountain, you know, this movie was guaranteed to make money. And so it's really just kind of a cherry on top that it was this good. I remember seeing a trailer for it and people screamed and clapped. That scene where they're just staring at each other when they first meet, that was pretty much the trailer. It was like a teaser that music's playing and, and then it just says Step Brothers and that was it. People were like, ah, because they love the, the combo of Riley and, and Farrell. So with this format, like I said, the improvisational format, first time I watched Step Brothers, I did not like it. Like, I thought it was too improv. Like, it was very farcical, especially the part where he, like, buries him alive. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> once it got to that part, I was just like, what? And then whenever, you know, like, they announced the divorce and he actually throws up. I'm going to throw up. I think I'm going to throw Don't up. Don't throw up. I'm going to throw it up. You're going to throw up. You're going to throw up. You're going to throw up. Oh, this is ugly. It's those things that I, I didn't like about the movie, you know? Yeah. No, I feel you because I was the same way with Mary Steenburgen. I was like, oh, why is she the mom in this? And then the second she's breaking up the fight with the water hose, the expletive that she yells out, yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I get it. What the fucking fuck? What the yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but I got to say, Mary Steenburgen, for her age, in this movie, she's a little smoke show in this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. very, very attractive. And shorty got the fatty. Shorty be catching more swings. I'm telling you, she could probably still look like that at 90. She just, there's some kind of sorcery there. But I never thought, like, the parenthood version of Mary Steen version was attractive. But I totally yeah. thought that the stepbrothers version of Mary Steen version. She's, like, really making her way back around. Anyways, enough about Mary Steen version and how hot she is. <laughs> But just back to the format of this movie, like it was those little things that I I just I really just focused on and and just picked on throughout the movie. Like, ah, it's stupid. That's not funny. That, that that makes no sense to say that at that moment in the movie format. I didn't like it. But then after subsequent viewings, it just grew on me. You know, like I think one of my favorite quotes of all time is I didn't want salmon. I said it four times. I mean, it's just so good. The only critiques I've ever heard, you know, is they throw these outlandish 
almost cartoonish characters in a real world setting. One of my buddies was like, man, they're literally acting like they're eight, like they're, you know, like Dumb and Dumber-esque. I mean, it has a lot of Dumb and Dumber in it, you know, kind of comedy, very similar. But that's that's the point. It's a goofy, funny, stupid, you know, McKay movie. So you're supposed to turn your brain off. when you. Yeah. We are going to start an international entertainment company, the biggest and the best. And we're going to call it Prestige Worldwide. Sounds so cool. <laughs> feel, feel like a lightning bolt hit the tip of my penis. Yeah. Whatever. Farrell's talking to the dad at the table for the first time, and he's and he's like, hey, "My name's Robert," and he's like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And, uh. and just the way he acts, just like a child would, you know, like when he does his little like side head tilt thingy, you know. I'm like, God, that's like so accurate to what a kid acts like when they're on the spot or when a when a, an adult's kind of uh, correcting them. <laughs> I am a father of two stepkids and that moment where he tells him good night and then does that half hug thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, like he puts that his hand out, so, shake it, and then he tries to do the hug, and then he just runs away. <laughs> like, that's yeah, so and, real. That is such a real... And let me tell you, as someone who has only been a stepmom in my marriages, that is part of what is so alluring about the movie. And the other thing is, too, it would not matter how old you are. No wonder they revert. Can you imagine being a 40-year-old and your parent is about to marry somebody new and they have kids and these kids are coming into the family? I'm going to act 12 as well. So that's where it's just like, oh, my God, it's probably just like that. And I yeah. love Richard Jenkins in this. I mean, I think he is. God, he's so good. I wanted to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex more than anything in the world. I made my arms short and I roamed the backyard and I, I chased the neighborhood cats and I growled and I roared. Everybody knew me and was afraid of me. And then one day my dad said, Bobby, you're 17. It's, it's time to throw childish things aside. And I said, OK, Pop. But he didn't really say that. He said, stop being a fucking dinosaur and get a job. You know, I remember seeing him and I'm like, oh, he's been in so much, but he's never really been a prominent, you know, a big role actor. But God, he's so mm-hmm. good in this. And, and I, I watched it, obviously, recently for the first time in a very long time. And that was the biggest note I took. I was like, man, this Richard Jenkins and Steenburgen are great. And, and Adam Scott, God, he plays this douchey Derek character so fucking well. And I'm not an Adam Scott fan. Yeah. I'm kind of like, but he fucking nails this role. I love when he gets interrupted at dinner and he does the like, what the fuck? Like (laughs) perfect big brother asshole character in this. So the acting is top notch to me. That had to be the first time I ever saw Adam Scott in anything. Mm -hmm. Probably. That was a good time. Yeah, I think me too. Look, I got my real estate license a few years back for shits and gigs. You know what? I'd even do it for four fifths commish because you know what really gets my dick hard? Helping out my friends. It's flooding back to me now. I remember the first time I watched Step Brothers, and not just a vague home video, but I remember I watched it with my brother-in-law because he was just pouring over the movie, just telling me how great it is. And I was giving my argument points, and he wasn't hearing it. Y'all were going to fight like like in the movie. You know, I'm watching the movie, you know, and, and, and also, yeah, something you have to know about me. If somebody sets a movie up like that, it better I mean, fuck. Exactly. exactly. Like, and when he popped it in and it started playing, it was not hitting for me. So it was just a bunch of eye rolls, a bunch of that's stupid, that's dumb, that's not funny. But then the role of uh, the wife, Catherine Hahn. Oh, yes. Oh Alice. My God. Alice. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, that movie was shit. But that one character was really yeah. funny. She's, she's great. I, I love her. She is such a good physical comedy actress. 
and she rides that wave of like physical comedy. Plus, she's beautiful. It's kind of hard to see where she's coming from sometimes. And man, just her role in that, just immediate, just lust for John Ryan. I mean, she nailed the role of neglected housewife, like I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm Alice. I- I'm Derek's wife. Hi. Uh, is it true that you struck Derek in the face and he, and he fell from the treehouse? Yeah. He asked me to. Oh, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Um, I want you to know that tonight I am going to pleasure myself to the image of you doing that to Derek. You know what I mean? Those guys that are like, I clocked in 550,000 nights. I haven't had a carb since 2017. You know, like, <laughs> there's guys out there that are really like that. And he just, he just nails that, that role. Oh, and he did the naked gun bit on, mm-hmm. on that scene where he lifted up his shirt. And yeah, his yeah, hat. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Tan and oiled up. <laughs> oh, my God. And just, and then the side characters in this film are just so memorable. Like, even yeah. Seth Rogen's part is so. Yeah. Cool. Unless you guys are just the weirdest guys ever. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I can taste that. that. That's onion, onion, and ketchup. Rob Riggle really shines yeah, in this film. Yeah, definitely first time seeing that guy on anything. Again, you know, you're doing great, man. This is the Kettle and Wine. Yeah. We're all having a great time. Everybody's having fun. You pulled it off, all right. But if you don't change your face, I'm going to change it for you. Okay. Okay. All I can do is take that in and consider it, and I'll just try to do my best version of whatever I think that would be. I, I don't even hear what you're saying right now because your face okay. is driving me okay. nuts. I mean, it's so quotable. There's so many good scenes in this. I love the interview scenes. You know, they're just goofballs. Ham? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. It's like cold with the B at the end. <laughs> my favorite meme at the beginning of COVID, I posted it to my Facebook. It was the shot of them in the tuxedos. I'm sorry, are we going through a pan? and they were just being such dickheads and it's so crazy to think about with this movie but like when you first watch it it's just a gut buster right but then when you go back and watch it even in that scene like you could tell that these guys were literally self-destructing they were making it to where they wouldn't get the job you know like subliminally (laughs) the narrative i mean the narrative is pretty simple you know Mm -hmm. it's a couple of single parents older they meet on a road trip they hook up they both find out that they both both have 40-year-old kids that are still living in their house, which strengthens the relationship even more. So much so to where they get married and they eventually start a life with their sons in the same house. As funny as it is, it's also kind of awkward to see. And I, I thought there were great scenes in the movie to justify the reason why they're still living at home. The first one is when they're talking in the bedroom, uh, the mom and dad. Brendan has a man Finally, the audience and even... Some of the nastier parents started singing, Brennan has a mangina. And I have to admit, for a little while, I sort of joined in as well. Brennan has a mangina, and even she was part of the laughing audience. It's like guilt that made her look the other way, you know? And so it's just the hijinks that happen inside the house with these two stepbrothers who, in the beginning, they hate each other. They're always talking shit. You know, they're not sharing their fancy sauce, just bickering at each other, the rules of the house. But then one day, they realize that they are the exact same person, and they just become the best of friends. And uh, I wanted to talk about that scene. Okay, open your eyes. Whoa. See that black smudge right there on the blade? Yeah. Look at it closely. Pretty recognizable signature. No. Randy Jackson from American Idol. Why do you have Randy Jackson's autograph on a martial arts weapon? Because I bumped into him and all I had on me was this samurai sword. And you're not going to not get Randy Jackson's autograph, right? I mean, it's like 
the mini climax of the movie where they they just become the best of friends. You know, the Hall and Oates song is playing, and they're mm-hmm. they're kicking the shit out of pumpkins, and uh, they build bunk beds together. They're just simpatico after that, you know. And then they decide to make this big budget entertainment company called Prestige Worldwide. They have huge ambitions of this company. And their first project was to make a music video. And it's for a song called Boats and Hoes. Again, very funny stuff. And I love that they know that they crashed the boat, but they still edited together the video and then still showed it at the birthday party. Could have been like a a thing you could have mentioned, you know, in the time you were making this video. He finds out that the boat is ruined and they get back home. And then Will Ferrell, who is like his stepson, right? Like, not even his real son, is just barking up a storm about how he's in the wrong and all this kind of stuff. And it's supposed to be comedy, but there are real nuggets of truth in that, you know, coming from a real place. He's like, I can't believe it's made me come to this. No TV for a week. (laughs) He knows that that is a massive punishment for these two goobers. So (laughs) because it was kind of serious, you know, Jenkins is screaming and he's doing his thing. But then he he throws that line in there and I'm like, oh, yep, yep. Back to comedy. Then it sets off a series of events to where Steenburgen and Jenkins, they become despondent. They eventually divorce. And then it's this whole montage of Farrell and Riley kind of getting their lives back together. And then uh, the second scene talking about justifying is, you know, the, the Catalina wine mixer scene where the 80s Billy Joel band quit. Great scene, by the way. Come on, man, play something from Stranger! We strictly do 80s Joel music, sir. I'm why you needed me to Hey, Billy Joel, do up sucks! Hey, listen, motherfucker, we only sing 80s Joel! So take your skate hooker wipe and get the fuck out of here! I think Horatio Sands is one of those guys, too, that he can just... Oh, that guy makes me laugh so fucking hard. And, and anything he did in SNL, man, I was just dying. I loved him. And the band quits, and then the dad goes on this tirade about whenever he was a kid. He wanted to be a dinosaur. That level of innocence that Brennan and Dale possessed. Yeah. That adults just don't have anymore. The point is, don't lose your dinosaur. Yeah. You know, I hated the way you guys were before. I mean, I hated you. But it just kills me to see you so crushed and normal. It's like a thing that they wanted to kind of harness, you know, and just keep near them. Just that innocence. They didn't want to admit it because that would be a selfish thing to admit. But, I mean, that's the real reason is is because they possess something that they used to have but they don't have anymore. These parents are like working for them. And I mean, you do see that in stepbrothers. I mean, come on. These two kids were getting waited on. Even if they, you know, had the wherewithal, they weren't going anywhere. You know the housing market right now. I've actually been talking about that. When I got out of college, I could go to Ford and a little apartment by myself. It was pretty affordable. I wasn't making great money, but I was making enough to live on my own. Nowadays, these kids, I mean, these one bedroom apartments around here are going for, you know, 15, 1600 bucks a month. So they're forced to live at home still in their 20s and they're pissed about it. For us to get out, we understood that there was going to be like a sidestep or a side Mm -hmm. down and we were totally fine with that. They don't need out so bad that they need it to be a little less than it was. They'll just stay right where it is. (laughs) I I say it with a tinge of jealousy, but it's like I can see the overall picture here. They're coming at it with a lot more logic and a lot less angst. Exactly. I mean, let me tell you the outrage that is 
having to pay for my own toilet paper and toothpaste. I get it. Visit the parents and then just secretly steal all that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's the deal is like, I do that at friends' houses. So that's probably why they never invite me back. Rylan came over twice this month. That's great. <laughs> Man, y'all are scandalous. I, I, I've I never stolen a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> Hi, Dale. Hey, Nancy. Can you make me a grilled cheese sandwich? Sure. No. <laughs> Dale just ate. He's testing you to see how much you can get away with. I see. I'm hungry. <laughs> Look in your right hand. I mean, we could quote this movie all day, guys. Yeah. But I, I am curious to know, do you have a favorite quote or a favorite scene? Whichever one you want to choose. It's when they're fighting in the front yard and she's had to call Robert at work to come home. Like, you can hear the screaming on the phone. That is hilarious. There, You can't <laughs> understand what's being said. But when she has the water hose on them... And they finally stop, and she's just like, What the fucking fuck? And the funniest thing is, I think to me, that fight with them is what turns stuff around. Because they were finally like, all right, we're done beating the hell out of each other. Because <laughs> I think they started forming the bond when they had to heal together. That makes to sense. That. Rylan, do you have a favorite quote or a favorite scene in the movie? <sighs> it's hard to boil it down. I better not get in my face. I'll drop that motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a, I had stepdads and stuff too. And I, and I can relate to that where you're trying to be a young, tough guy where you're like, this guy, this guy's better be fucking cool or he's going to get it. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to call him dad. Brennan, you're 39 years old. I would not expect you to call him dad. Well, I'm not going to ever, even if there's a fire. But also, I wrote, you know, it's like masturbating in a time machine when he's talking when he's talking about his Playboys. <laughs> yeah, so much. I mean, I mean, like I said, I love the interview stuff, the Pam scene, but but also I really like the the Derek being a douchey at the dinner and how much the dad was getting enamored with him, and then and Derek's you know mannerisms and like that little relationship between the dad and Derek just really made me laugh. Well, it's a trophy fish. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh God. You relate to it. I'm like, God, I've just met this guy before somewhere, somehow. And he's just nailing yeah. it, you know? I guess my favorite scene or I guess sequence is whenever they have to deal with the neighborhood kids at the school or whatever. Yes. <laughs> he's terrified of them. Which right. means he's got his ass kicked numerous times by these kids. <laughs> he's like and so just, scared he's going to lick white dog shit. Every bit of it. Like like even just the punch from the red-haired kid. It connected right to the Boom. face. And, and he's making him lick the dog shit. And then when they get back to the house, it cuts to Steenburgen and be like, you know, maybe you should probably go the long way. <laughs> and, and, and Farrell says, yeah, we talked about that. We're going to go the long way from now on. It was also the same scene where they dropped the bombshell on them that they're mm -hmm. selling the house. They took an L that day. Yeah. And then on top of that, they took another L right after that. It was like their version of down in the dumps. Dale's know? line is, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> why are you doing this? I love but that piece, line. Oh, my God. But the piece de resistance quote of that whole sequence is. I've got a belly full of white dog crap in me. And now you laid this shit on me? <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Seriously, props to Adam McKay for being one of the few people who started, to me, started as an SNL writer. Normally, when they then would write for a movie or release a movie, it had Saturday Night Live written all over it. Mm -hmm. His no. movies weren't all like that. And just God bless him for that. Because as much as we all love Fred Wolf, oh, my God, ah. you can tell when it's a Fred Wolf movie. 
Well, I mean, yeah. Adam McKay's career, uh, besides SNL, I mean, I, the, the reason I know Adam McKay from the very beginning was because he was uh, a writer for the UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade. They had a television show on Comedy Central back in the 90s. Every time a penny passes through your hands, stick it up your ass and then spend it. What? How does sticking pennies up my ass give me an edge when I meet with them? You don't just stick them up your ass, you spend them. Now, like I said, it's a long-term strategy. Those are kind of his roots, you know? Uh, so he's always been very activist, very, you know, comedy was a big part of it, but he also was smart enough to act stupid, if that's easily understandable. And so then, in the last five or six years, his output has been so quality. I guess his first one was The Big Short with uh, Steve Carell and Christian Bale, talking about the 2008 housing crisis. And then his next one was Vice, where mm -hmm, Christian Vice. Bale plays Dick Cheney. That's Adam McKay. Humor mixed in with, like, real-world tragedy. And then with Don't Look Up, I mean, it's an original story. He still has the ability to do all of these great writing things and still be sincerely funny. They were all just had a good amount of comedy but it didn't overtake the whole thing like knowing what? that 15 years ago you shot a scene where will ferrell literally pulled his nutsack out <laughs> of his pants and then later you're like okay leo action it's insane and i would never go against even a bad will ferrell movie you just you can't go against will ferrell uh, i don't know did you watch casa de mi padre or whatever the one where he speaks spanish the whole time <laughs> that, that was gonna be my exhibit a like really they're really doing this the entire movie yeah that one was not good What's the one that he did recently where he, he's like Swedish and he tries to get on that show or whatever, right? With the long hair. God. I checked out of that one too. I was like, oh no. But you know what? He's gotten to that status where Feral Sandler, they make a lot of money because they're just staples of comedy. So, hey. It's still not the most awful thing you've ever seen. Even Bill Murray has mm -hmm, some yeah. titles that they don't talk about. You know, whatever. Yeah. I guess I guess I wasn't the biggest fan of Semi Pro. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm gonna give it that one too. Or yeah. you know uh, the ice skating movie. Yeah, but Semi Pro and Blades of Glory. <laughs> yes. That's Feral without McKay. And so it's like it's glaring yeah, how much it, McKay it, is important. Of course, Casa de Padre was also one of those. <laughs> like they all are trying to reach an audience that they used to have collectively, but then it's kind of parsed out. You know, like, like you can tell the Rogan stuff without Apatow is just lacking, in my opinion. Like 50-50 or The Night Before. I mean, these are fine little movies, but it's no 40-year-old version. Like it's no yeah, super yeah. bad. It's, yeah. But last thing we got to do before we get out of here, guys, is we got to rate this film. Uh, Wendy, as our guest and the picker of this film, I'm curious to know what kind of score out of 10 stars you would give this film. I personally am going to have to give it a 10 out of 10. Ooh, we haven't had a 10 out of 10 on the show it's, in a while, Rylan. Yeah. It's so comforting. It's like a member of the family. It checks all the boxes. What about you, Ryland? What would you give this out of 10 stars? For what it is, it's, you know, it's a great buddy comedy movie, and I've always been a big fan of those. I mean, go down the list. I mean, you, you got, you know, Dumb and Dumber. You got, uh, God, you can go back to, you know, uh, I'm thinking, uh, uh, damn it, uh, Aykroyd and, and um, Blues Brothers. God dang, I couldn't think. Um, okay. You know, there's just these there's these duos, Farley and, and, and Spade. I mean, I know Wendy loves Black Sheep and Tommy Boy and all those. I mean, these are great comedic uh, duos through time, and, and they're they're one of them. They're, they're in there. So I'm putting it up there with almost that Dumb and Dumber-esque kind of style. That's probably my favorite, you know, comedy of all time, if not top five or top three. So I'm, this has got to be like a solid, like, I'm going to give it like an 8.5. For what it is, it's a perfect comedy, and it's so enjoyable. I mean, I hadn't seen it in years. I watched it. I laughed. There was some stuff I forgot, but I remembered most of the movie. It's that quotable, that much of a classic, and 
everyone's seen it and everyone can quote something from it. And good Lord, the memes that come out of this damn movie are, are never going to end. So I, I love the fact that the, the quotable conversations we used to have in the nineties and two thousands, mm-hmm. they just turned into memes. And I just share those, all those member berries. You're like, I remember that. <laughs> oh yeah. It's brothers. Uh, I remember. Uh, but uh, if I was to give this movie a rating out of 10 stars, I'm a little bit more critical than you guys. My spectrum is kind of like movies in general, not just like, well, for a comedy movie, this was, mm-hmm, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. you know, I kind of give it an overall. Like I said, my spidey sense was not tingling when I first saw this movie, but then it kind of grew on me. Now I love it. I really appreciate the movie for what it is. But as a movie itself, it's really well made. Like it's cinematic as hell. The the lighting and, you know, the settings, the house, all the places they go, they're very, very well done. But again, with the improvisation, there's just a variable there where sometimes it just won't hit. And I thought that there were parts where it just didn't hit or or it got way over the top to where when it was time to reel it back in, they just didn't do a good job of doing that. But overall, great film. And my official rating is probably going to be about a 6.8. The production itself was good and the, the talent involved was superior. So I can't give it too much shit, but it does get a 6.8 out of me. So that's high praise for Charlie Thompson. Pretty high. Yeah. Uh, so that was Step Brothers, guys. Um, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I, I know we kept you for about a couple of hours now. So, But as far as this show goes, uh, next week we will be dipping back into our uh, decade double feature series. And in the last 10 episodes, we have done a double feature of 60s, back when we were in our 60s realm of episodes. And so this time around, while we're in the 70s area, we are going to be doing a double feature of 70s movies. We are not going to reveal them just yet, mainly because we haven't figured that shit out yet. Uh, (laughs) But we will be informing the group the real shit on what is going to be going down on that double feature. So stay tuned to the group. And we will be celebrating our second anniversary as a podcast. Uh, We still have no idea what the programming is going to be for this episode, but you know it's going to be special just like last year. Two years, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I've been looking forward to that for a while, so. 70s we're going to talk history of film in that era too so if you're a history buff like me or or just older cinema stuff i mean we're going to get into everything 70s so it'll be fun so yeah we are still rolling here guys we got a good schedule going uh stay tuned to the real shit stay tuned to the podcast for any and all new news and uh for wendy meyer and rylan johnson my name is charlie thompson and we have been spitting the real shit uh we'll see you guys next time peace out Uh, say bye wendy Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me. The best I'm Derek. <laughs> and I can sing hi, hi. <laughs> when he was doing his solo, I was like, that's pretty fucking good, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs>